0: Good morning again, Lindsley Avenue. So glad to see everyone who's here. We appreciate you, your attendance for being here with us. We worship God this morning. If you're a regular attender, we're glad you're here. And if you're visiting, we're glad you're here as well. I want you to come back. I'm told we have about 10 or 12 people watching live on Facebook right now. Thank you for joining us. I know usually there are 80 to 90 more that watch it at some point during the day. So thank you for, uh, even if you're not watching live, joining us later. I appreciate again the opportunity to share a few thoughts uh, from God's Word with you this morning. We're going to be looking at John chapter 9. John chapter 9. If I go forward. We're going to look at a man born blind. John chapter 9. We're going to go through most of the chapter. So let's talk about this man born blind. Picking up in John 9, starting verse one, we read, "'Now as Jesus passed by, "'he saw a man who was blind from birth. "'And his disciples asked him, saying, "'Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, "'that he was born blind?' "'It was very common in first century culture "'to believe that disaster, disease, or difficulties Came upon someone because they had offended the gods more broadly in Jewish and Rome—I mean, in Greek and Roman uh, culture—or that they had simply sinned. If you think about it from a Jewish perspective, you know, we may hear this question today and think, "Well, those people—how could they be thinking that this man might have done something that could have caused his blindness?" But we're every bit as guilty of that as they are. We see someone in poor circumstances, someone that's having trouble, and we will often jump to the conclusion, wonder what they did, wonder what they did. It's a very common human condition to look at trouble coming upon people because of things that they did turns out, for an example, the Hebrew word for leprosy, leprosy a very common problem, especially in the Old Testament and in the time of Jesus, the Hebrew word for leprosy is salat, and it meant to be struck with the idea of being struck by God, and was always, always presumed by the Jewish people generally to be because of sin that the individual had in fact done, had, had, uh, had, had engaged in. So that if someone comes down with leprosy, not only are they shunned because of the infectious nature of leprosy, not only are they to be away from everyone, they were also looked upon almost really here again by definition as having been a sinner. They were struck by God with this leprosy and that was typical of the way Jewish people thought about individuals who sinned. The disciples essentially make the same assumption here. They see a man who was blind from birth and assume it was due to sin by somebody. Bad things happen because of sin is the assumption. Wonder who it was is really what they're asking. Is it his parents or somehow this man himself who sinned? Now when you think about this question, it's wrong on so many counts. This question that the disciples asked Jesus is wrong on so many counts. Given the assumption that bad things happened because of sin, someone caused it. If you grant the assumption that bad things happened because of sin, then sure, somebody had to have sinned to have caused this man to be born blind. So the first possibility they offer was, was it this man's parents Did his mom and dad do something that caused this poor man to be born blind when he was a baby? Well, it also could have been the man himself, the question implies, somehow before birth. Indeed, because sometimes babies are born with problems, the Jewish people with that broad thinking that uh, disease and trouble is in fact, are all caused by sin, They had developed some way or other where they thought, before you were born, you could in fact engage in sin and cause some sort of a problem as you were born into the world. Let me say right here and right now, that is not correct. It is impossible to sin before you have an awareness of right and wrong. And a two-day-old baby doesn't know what's right and wrong. They simply know they're hungry or cold or something, right? And there is absolutely no way an unborn child can sin. But if you're thinking that all problems are caused by sin, then in this case, they're assuming it's either the man's parents or it's the baby before he was born. There is no other option if you make that primary first assumption. So I really would argue that it's it's impossible that this man had sinned before birth Uh, in order to have caused himself to be born blind. It is potentially possible that uh, his parents had uh, done something that could have affected him to be born this way. Uh, Sometimes uh, diseases that are caused from immoral behavior can affect the unborn, but there's no indication in any way that that's the case, right? No indication. Sometimes bad things happen to people. They do sometimes it's because of sin it is possible for you to engage for me to engage in some behavior that god has said no and we do it anyway that can cause something bad to happen to us it's possible but doesn't mean that because something bad has happened to you that you in fact have sin it's a very bad approach to life but we all do it we all do it we see somebody that's got trouble And we assume that it is because of sin. Continuing on, remember the question was, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this poor man was born blind? That was the disciples' question. Look at what Jesus says, picking up in the next verse. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He says, neither one of them. Your assumption is not correct. Bad things do not always happen because of sin. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. This man is blind. This man is blind from birth so that I can show you what I'm about to show you. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Notice Jesus ignores the entire question of sin and suffering. He doesn't address it at all. You remember when we talked about John 4, the woman at the well in Samaria a few weeks ago? She had asked the question, you know, our father said that this is the place we should worship, up in this mountain, but you Jews say down in Jerusalem. Jesus ignored that question too. We should get in the habit, I think, sometimes, of ignoring questions. Because sometimes questions are just set up to cause arguing and they distract us from the importance of Jesus and the importance of living for God. So that's the first challenge I want to put on you. Sometimes people ask questions to get us off track, to distract, to cause arguings. Don't take the bait. Jesus is really great at that because, in these two circumstances here in the Gospel of John, he completely ignores the question and goes to the heart of the matter. Sometimes bad things happen to, allow, uh, to people allowing the glory of God to be shown. Notice again, Jesus again is speaking of light. He does that throughout the Gospel of John. And this time he's speaking about light while he's going to be addressing the blindness of this man. Very interesting. This man has never seen the light, but he's about to. He's about to. And then again, we're often blind because of our own choices. We don't see God because we're not looking. We don't see things because we have our eyes closed. You know, I always, always have seen in, in a TV show or a movie somebody be saying, "I don't see what you're talking about," and of course they're trying to do that on purpose because they have their eyes tightly shut. When He Jesus had said these things, notice what He does here. It's kind of odd in some ways. He spat on the ground and made clay with this saliva. I, I, I imagine every single one of us here, when we were a kid, did this. Mom's out of sight. So we're outside, you spit in the dirt, it makes the dry dirt wet, and you mess with it. And if mom were standing right there, you'd be getting shouted at, quit, you know, what are you doing, that kind of thing. But Jesus does this as an adult. He spits on the ground, makes play with the saliva, and he takes that and anoints the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And Jesus said to the blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he, the blind man, went and washed and came back to see. Let's think for a couple of moments here real quick. First of all, that parentheses talking about the pool of Siloam, and it says that the word for Siloam is translated sent. As a real quick aside, the water that feeds that pool of Siloam actually comes through a channel through the rock cliff of that side of Jerusalem that Hezekiah built. When Hezekiah knew that the invaders were coming into uh, Jerusalem and uh, Judea and going to attack, he knew that the water supply of Jerusalem was at risk, and they dug a channel. They actually met in the middle, the tunnel of Hezekiah. And so that water was essentially sent to this pool from the spring outside the wall. So that's a little historical thing that John is explaining what the word Siloam means to his readers. And so... Jesus has anointed the man's eyes with this clay, this uh, wet dirt that he has made with his, his spit, put it on the man's eyes and told him to go wash it off, and the man does and comes back and can see at least a little bit. Sometimes miracles involve physical activity. Think of Naaman, Naaman in the Old Testament. Naaman is suffering from leprosy, and the prophet tells Naaman to go and wash seven times in the river Jordan. He didn't want to wash it in River Jordan. River Jordan's often a a muddy mess. He didn't want to do that. My rivers are better back home. But he ends up doing it, and because he did it, Naaman's leprosy is cleansed. There's an important thing for us to know there, too. We may not understand why God tells us to do certain things. We may not, not understand why it's so important that we do this or that, but if God tells us to do it, just do it. Just do it. At the end of the sermon today, when the invitation is extended, it's going to focus on the idea of unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Jesus said that. Jesus also said, unless you repent, you will all in the same manner perish. Jesus said that. Jesus also said, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. Jesus said it. Just do it. That's what the man does here in John chapter 9. After all, when you think about it, spit mixed with dirt is not going to be able to really restore sight. There's not going to be a dirt uh, water spit clinic opening up in town anytime soon. It's a miracle. Jesus tests the man's faith by putting this on his eyes and telling him to go do something instead of trying to wipe it off. Saying, hey, what would you spit my eyes for? You know, what would you do that for? The man goes and does what Jesus tells him. I want you to note spit clay and, and mud really made with the dirt and the spit he's not going to be able to restore sight but the man acts upon what jesus has told him to do then reading here therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said is this not the one who sat and begged some said this is he and others said this is like him all right so this is the man now who can see this is the man who can see, and the people who were around him said, isn't this the guy who sat over here begging? Isn't this the guy who had been blind? And some were like, yeah, that's him. And others were like, maybe, maybe. He had been blind his entire life and had been sitting near them for a long time, yet they had not seen him. Look at that for a moment. He had been blind his whole life, some might have known what he looked like. Others had simply categorized him as a blind beggar, and they did not notice him. How guilty of that are we We drive into this building. We walk to this building. We go through our lives. People who are suffering problems may very well be on the side of the road. We don't even notice them. I think that verse right there in John 9, in many ways is aimed at you and me. We have to take notice of the people around us who are hurting, and that is one of the great, great opportunities that Lindsley Avenue has risen to do by helping our neighbors. What a great opportunity we have every single day to make a difference in the lives of the people of people around us. Do not assume that people who are in bad circumstances are there because of sin. They're because of things they did. You don't know that. What we do know is there there are people who are suffering and they need help. They need help. Why do we often not see the sufferings of others? Why is it so hard to see perhaps the hungry, the less well off jesus had said you have the poor with you always that's not an excuse to ignore the poor that's the opportunity every single day to make a difference in the lives of other people challenge Second like a challenge today be willing to see people who need help continuing on the blind man said i am he All Right? remember some someone said yeah this is the guy and others said I, "It kind of looks like him i don't think that's the guy who was blind He speaks out and says, this is me, I am he, I am the one who was blind. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? I mean, this is a crazy thing. He was blind, he'd been sitting there for who knows how long, begging. He can see now, how did this happen? They're asking him. Notice his answer here. He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. When you think about it, he had not seen who Jesus was. He hadn't seen anything until he washed his eyes. He doesn't know what Jesus, the man that made the clay and put it on his eyes, looks like. So where is this man that did this for you? I don't know, but it's a man called Jesus. Jesus heals the man and does not hang around. He's not holding him by his elbow, walking him down to the pool of Siloam. Standing right there by him. Jesus is nowhere particularly to be found. He certainly were not right next to him. If we had healed this man, if that had been you or me, what would the temptation be to us? It would have been to hang around waiting for congratulations or compliments. Great job! You gave this man sight! Can I have your autograph, you know? Or can I get a selfie, I guess is the way we would say today, and do that kind of stuff? I've got to record this. We'd be sitting there going, yeah. I'm the man. Yeah, look what I just did. Yeah, I'm the man. Jesus does a good thing and does not look for reward. Third challenge this morning. Avoid the look at what I did thing. I put a challenge out this week on uh, social media where I said, do something good for somebody, but be sneaky about it. Do something good that the person that gets the, the gift, who gets the reward for that good thing you've done has no idea you did it. Don't hang around. Do something good. Walk off. That can be paying for somebody's food. I've heard about people doing that and known people who have seen a table over there with a mom and dad and, you know, 10 kids or something to that effect. Boy, talk about sometimes a a rough situation. you got a lot of little kids. I mean, I remember how it was. Pay for their meal. Get up and leave. Do something good. Always be engaged in doing good. Don't be sitting there going, all right, notice me what I just did that was good. Jesus doesn't do it. We should do good without waiting around for all the congratulations and fuss to be made over us. Notice as well, he had said a man called Jesus. The formerly blind man only knows Jesus as a man. Watch through the description of what comes next as he changes his view of who Jesus is. Right now, a man called Jesus. He probably knows he's a man by his voice. That's all he knows about it. A man called Jesus did this. I don't know anything else, the man would say. They brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. Now, here's a side note. It was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened the eyes. Again, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus is doing things on a Sabbath. So what's the big deal? Well, Jewish people have been told you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath day. If you, uh, you extinguished a lamp, a lamp is burning, you put it out. They made laws that says that's work. We have been told a man may not fill a dish with oil and put it beside a lamp and put the end of the wick in it. In other words, you can't have an automatic refill of oil set up for the lamp and put it out there on a Sabbath day, on a Saturday. You can't do it, we're told. They were told by the laws people made because it's a piece of work. If a man extinguishes a lamp on the Sabbath to spare the lamp or the oil for the wick, he is culpable, he is blamable. he's violated the Sabbath. They were told, but all these rules and regulations were made by people. Jesus doesn't just heal the man, he makes clay. According to the rules of the Pharisees that people had set up, he's worked on the Sabbath day. The laws of the Sabbath that Jesus violated, putting that in quote marks, were the laws people made the laws people made not the laws god made jesus is very clear who here would not do good on the sabbath you know coming to worship services is a good thing it is not a good thing if you walk by somebody who's bleeding and hurt jesus would always argue you address the immediate need whether it's on the sabbath to do good, or whether it's on the way today, we would say, coming into a worship service. Then the Pharisees also asked him, the man who had been born blind, who now could see, asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. He's just pretty straightforward with this simple story. They want to know what's going on. This is what's happening, the man tells them. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. He opened your eyes, gave you sight for the first time in your life. Oh, and by the way, he also made clay in the dirt. He can't be from God. He's worked on the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do these kinds of things? How can a man who is a sinner give somebody eyesight when they've never had it before? There was division, arguing among them. So it's a good sign to have the arguing. Some have seen that Jesus cannot be in any way a sinner because you can't do these amazing things if you're a sinner. They have put Jesus has put an unsolvable dilemma in front of them. He's he's not following their rules and regulations but he's doing things they could not possibly do. The only solution that they're going to have to really come to some of them will is to accept that he's who he claims to be the son of God they said to the blind man again what do you say about him because he opened your eyes he said he is a prophet remember we're going to see that development of who he what he thinks about Jesus the formerly blind man who had called Jesus a man now says he's a prophet He's realizing he had to have come from God or he couldn't possibly have given me my eyesight. In other words, he must be from God. Now, this is pretty brave of this man because the Jewish leaders, these Pharisees, had the ability to bar somebody from coming to the synagogue, bar somebody from coming to worship God. The closest thing you can imagine would be excommunication, the whole idea of putting somebody out of a religious group. You can't come here anymore. They could have done that to him, he's... Willing to say, this man has to be a prophet because he gave me my eyesight. But the Jews, again, these Pharisees, did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. So they talked to the man, now they call his mom and dad. And they asked him, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Maybe he never was blind. You say he was blind, is this really him? How then now does he see come on explain this to us parents you say he was born blind he can see now explain this to us notice they say who you say they want to cast doubt on whether the man had ever been blind one way to avoid a miracle is the guy really been able to see been faking it sitting in the corner begging his whole life his parents are not cooperative his parents answered them and said we know that this is our son and that he was born blind But by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. Don't look to us. He's an adult. You talk to him. Don't talk to us. His parents had said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews agreed already that if anyone confessed that Jesus, he was the Christ, the Messiah, he'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He's of age, ask him. They are kind of afraid here. His parents are not exactly very thoughtful. But the leaders really do need to get the story from the man who had been born blind. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man's a sinner. Now this phrase, give God the glory, really just means, come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth. We know this man's a sinner. Why don't you agree with us that this man is a sinner? He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. We just sang that a moment ago. Amazing grace. I was blind, but now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes so that you see? The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened our eyes. There's some sarcasm here. This man's getting a bit testy. But he's, he's getting more or less verbally abused by these religious leaders. He's getting tired of it. The important thing to this man is there's a miracle here. I can see. Why are you wanting to go pick on this man and accuse him of all these things? The Jewish leaders just aren't listening. Now here's something the man says that I want to pick on just for a moment. The man who'd been born blind who now can see says, now we know that God does not hear sinners. And sometimes that gets quoted to try to prove as a kind of a proof text kind of thing or something, that people who are sinners, God does not hear them. That's not entirely true by any means. For one thing, every single one of us are sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. God will hear the prayer of anyone who turns their heart to Him. What's really meant by this, God will not hear someone whose life is devoted to sin Who has no attempt reason or thought to be coming back to God the Bible is full the Old Testament is full of statements about how God will not hear the prayer of sinners but what that's talking about are people who are content to be running away from God and after running after things they want to do themselves God has heard the prayers of sinners because he's heard the prayers you and I have offered this last week God hears the prayers of sinners. He heard the prayer of Cornelius in Acts 10. So do not look at this and say, no sinner can be heard by God. A sinner who's looking to God, God will hear the prayer of that sinner because he hears our prayers. So just as an aside right there, that's not a completely true statement. The correct point here is that no one who is continuously opposed to God in rebellion to God can be heard by God because they're really not going to want to pray to God if they are in open rebellion to what God wants. Again, continuing, we know that God does not hear sinners. The man had said we just talked about that. But if anyone is a worshipper of God and does His will, He hears him. Since the world began, it's been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That is 100% true. That is 100% true. Jesus is from God. The miracles are a sign pointing to that, and this man has begun to see the light here. How very true. They answered, the Jewish leaders answered him and said, You are completely born in sins, and you are teaching us, and they threw him out they have automatically again decided, you were born in sin, that's why you were born blind. They've fallen back on their own way of thinking, get out, you're not going to teach us. You were blind from birth, you or your parents, whichever it was, were just completely sinful, get out. And they've kicked him out. Because the man stands up for Jesus, they cast him out. There's more snobbery, more snobbery from these Jewish leaders. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he, Jesus, had found him, the man who had been born blind, he, Jesus, said to the man who had been born blind, do you believe in the son of God? The man born blind answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? Tell me, I'll be happy to believe in him. Who is he? Jesus said to them, you've both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. In other words, it's me. Then he, the man born blind, said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him right there is an important point from John chapter 9 we need to get to know Jesus we need to get to know the Son of God and we need to believe in him and do the things that he's asking us to do that's getting my life on the right track I'm jumping ahead toward the idea of the conclusion of the lesson but we've got to get our life on the right track we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus And we've got to focus on doing what Jesus has asked us to do because he loves us. Continuing on. What a wonderful journey for this man. He's gone from being blind to thinking of Jesus as a man, that this Jesus is a prophet, to now acknowledging Jesus is the Son of God, all in the space of a little bit of time on the day where he can see for the first time. The Jews cast him out of the temple, but then the Lord of the temple found him. The Jewish people had cast him out of the temple, but the Lord of the temple found him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. There's a spiritual application here. The Jews have been given the oracles of God, God's word, and access to God's word, but they would still pretty much reject Jesus. The Gentiles, who had not been given God's word, who had not been given the oracles of God, were the ones who accepted Jesus. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said, are we blind also? You're trying to say that we don't know what God wants? You're trying to say we don't see what God is all about? Jesus said that if you were blind, you would have no sin. Now you say you see, therefore your sin remains. Jesus is playing some word games with them and actually saying here, because you say we know what God wants and so desperately you don't you're obviously in sin. Yes, they were in fact blind. Only the person who realizes his own blindness can learn how to see. Only the one who realizes his own sin can be forgiven. You have to have a self-awareness that I am a sinner, that I am not who I need to be as a basis for really being able to come back to God. So often we'll blind ourselves thinking everything is all fine and dandy. There's no problem. I don't have any worries. I don't need to pray for myself. I don't need to ask for forgiveness. It's like these Pharisees right here. We can blind ourselves to our own needs, our own uh, problems that we need Jesus' help with. When people are confronted with Jesus, we pass judgment on ourselves if we see in jesus nothing to admire nothing to love nothing to desire then we have condemned ourselves if we see something to wonder at something to respond to something to reach out to then that person is on the way to god so the question of the morning what do you see in jesus what do you see in jesus remember John 3 16 God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish today haven't said it before but today is what the world calls Valentine's Day today when human love is celebrated human love is temporary people fall in love out of love People who are desperately in love can betray the other person. Sometimes we get separated from the one we love by death. Human love is temporary. God's love is for him. So on this Valentine's Day, I think that John 3.16 is one of the most important verses to think about. God loved the world. God loved me so much that he gave his only son to die. So that I might be saved. Unless you believe that I am he who will die in your sins. Unless you repent, you will all in like manner perish. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Jesus said it. Just do it. If there's any way in which we can be of help to you, whether you need prayer, whether you need to come to Jesus and really get to know Jesus today as the Son of God, now is the time.